Welcome to Talk Tennis, a podcast created specifically for you, the tennis fanatic. Join us each week as we work to elevate your game both on and off the court. We will deliver fresh episodes to keep you up to date with tennis trends and technologies, as well as exclusive interviews with industry experts, current and former pros, and so much more. Here's your host, Michelle. Hello, Talk Tennis listeners. I hope this episode finds you all well and healthy, and I hope you guys are all hanging in there. I know this is a tough time for all of us, so I really hope that this episode can bring you a little distraction and put a smile on your face. I'm super excited for you to listen to it. I had a chance to record remotely with one of our T-Dub sponsored players. Her name is Katherine Harrison. And she did an awesome job talking about all the ups and downs that she's dealt with in life. And one thing that she did bring up was an injury that had taken her out for eight weeks. She was essentially bedridden for eight weeks. And then after those eight weeks, nothing improved. And she had eight more weeks where she couldn't play tennis. She couldn't exercise. She couldn't do the things that make her happy on a day-to-day basis and how she navigated that. And it just kind of feels a little bit relatable during these times. So hopefully you enjoy her stories and how she's kind of overcome some adversity in her life. She's also a plant-based athlete, which I think is super inspiring. Really cool to hear her talk about that. And I think you'll just enjoy this episode. Let me know what you think. If you guys need anything, feel free to reach out. We're going to do our best to continue to bring you weekly episodes during this time. And like I said, hopefully it's a nice distraction from your day-to-day stressors and anything you have going on. And again, reach out at podcast at tennis-warehouse.com. If you just want to say hello, if you have some ideas on what you would like to hear, we're going to do our best to continue to bring you some fun content and put smiles on your faces here at Talk Tennis. So let's get into this episode. Welcome to Talk Tennis. Today I'm joined by a talented player who straight up smacks the ball off both sides with two hands. She was a top-ranked junior and all-American singles and doubles player at UCLA, and she's a vegan plant-based athlete. I'm so excited to welcome Katherine Harrison to Talk Tennis today. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining me, Kat. And as we're recording this, we're in the middle of March, towards the end of March. So uh, the COVID-19 thing is real. We were just chatting about social distancing and quarantines and all that. So I want to do a mental health check with you. How are you hanging in? Yeah, you know, honestly, yesterday was pretty tough because, you know, wrapping your head around it until April, which was the original date that they canceled until, you know, that was fine because everyone's a little tired and you're like, oh, wow, you know, like little break to get some rest and make the most of it. But then all of a sudden it went from April to May to now June in the span of just a few days. And all of a sudden I'm just like, crap, because I'm super type A and I do really well (laughs) whenever I have a plan and a schedule and something to work towards. And now it's just kind of this gray area But honestly, I mean, there's a lot worse things and everyone's in the same boat. You know, it's not like being injured where you're taking steps backwards and everyone else is out there competing. It's like literally everyone's in the same boat. So I did get a little bit sad yesterday, but then it's like, like I said, everyone's same boat, same problem. So it is what it is. For sure. And are you still able to train and are you still able to hit right now? Yeah. So coach and I are actually, we're actively trying to figure out what to do the last couple days we've really just been having fun with practice because he's like I don't want to completely overload you right now like have you get burned out and so we've just been playing a ton of just honestly fun games like we've been warming up with the bounce down game with mini tennis games we've been playing a lot of games off the ground just so to keep me hitting but also just to have fun with it you know and try and make it a bright spot of the days that don't really involve too much right now And I'm going to start back up with fitness uh, next week. The place that I do fitness at is completely shut down right now. And all of the gyms in Texas are shut down. So I'm doing some like, you know, Rocky style fitness, like hill sprints and stuff. But (laughs) there's no weight rooms to do anything in. And I'm like, okay, so I guess I'll just do my bands in my apartment. 
but I know, yeah. I know. Same. I'm like, okay, we'll we'll go on a lot of trails and hey, why not? It will be great. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Make it make yeah, the best of it. Exactly. I know. And I know you've dealt with some injuries and through your career. So I also feel like this is like such a great time for athletes to rehab their bodies, luckily. So I don't know if you have any nagging injuries at the moment, but I know we'll talk about you had one a couple years ago that took you out for a bit. Yeah, right now I'm actually pretty good. I mean, it is funny, like I train mostly on hardcore. And when I did get the news originally that tennis was going to be pushed back until like April or May, um, I took like four or five days off just because, you know, we're going to make it like another off season slash preseason, you know, start with some time off and then go into hard training. And then my first practice back, I was like, dang, my body feels good. Like my joints are nice. Like I was sprinting down everything. I was getting all the drop shots my coach was hitting. Like it was (laughs) fun, but no, I mean, nothing specific right now. I've been pretty on it since my last major injury that I had. Like now, anytime there's any nagging pain, I immediately go to physical therapy. I immediately start attending to it so it doesn't get bad like my last one. Okay, that's good. We're going to dive into that, but let's start from the beginning now. Tell me how your journey into tennis started. I know you have some tennis parents and start from the beginning. Yeah. So um, I had zero chance. Um, My parents' first date was playing tennis. Um, (laughs) They both played college tennis. My mom played at North Texas and my dad played at University of Washington. And they met when they both moved to Dallas after they graduated. And when they got married, they joined a tennis club when they moved to Memphis to meet people, which is where I'm from originally. And all of their oldest friends are people that they met through playing tennis. Um, <laughs> so as soon as I could walk, basically, I wanted to play tennis because they would wheel me out in my little playpen to the practice court when they would go out and practice at just our little public park courts. And so I just watched mom and dad. And so as soon as I could physically hold the racket, I wanted to play. And we would go out in our backyard and we have a patio. My mom would feed me balls. And at that point, I was too tiny to actually hit a one-handed forehand, which is what started my two-handed forehand. And I would aim for things. And I remember one time when I was like, I don't even think I was like four yet. And I aimed for the light on our back patio. (laughs) And I just beamed this ball into this light and it just shattered. And my mom, I still remember this. And my mom was like, I couldn't even be mad because you were so happy that you hit your target. (laughs) That's so cute. And yeah, so it just kind of started from there. I didn't really get super serious. Well, super serious, meaning I didn't start taking lessons until I was about seven or eight. Okay. And then I got pretty good. And then one of my coaches in Memphis told my parents, he's like, hey, she's got some potential, but there's really not that many players in Memphis that are going to push her. If she's going to get really good and maximize her potential, she probably needs to go train in Florida Mm -hmm. or some tennis academy. And so I checked out a few. I did like a week trial, several of them, and I ended up picking one in Fort Lauderdale. And so my mom and I moved down there for one year together. And our family lived apart when I was 13, 14 in the eighth grade, I think. And I got a crap load better. I didn't really play many tournaments because I was just training. And then after that was really when I kind of started to get good. Okay. We only stayed for one year because my family, like we all didn't like living apart. And so I moved back to Memphis and trained there actually with the coach that I currently work with. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's why I actually moved to Austin because when I was in college, he moved here Okay. and we just kind of lost contact, but I had really good results with him and I really enjoyed working with him. So yeah, about a year ago, I moved here to train with him. But anyway, so yeah, I trained in Memphis until college and then went to college and here I am. And maybe talk a little bit about the transition from junior. Well, I know also, um, I think you were homeschooled a little bit after the, Yes. okay. So a lot of our listeners have questions about the academy life and the homeschool life and maybe talk a little bit about what you liked about it, what you didn't like about it and all of that and how, how it worked for your family. Okay. Yeah. I was really lucky because my mom is a teacher She teaches science and math. And so she's really smart in those areas. I'm really good in language, like Spanish, English, French, all of those and writing and all kind of the liberal arts type of things. And so I could really easily do that on my own. And she helped me with the other stuff. So it was very doable. Okay. Yeah. And luckily I had her cracking the whip. (laughs) I would say the toughest, the toughest part is the discipline 
that it takes because it's so easy to get behind because you really don't have anyone telling you to do it. But it was good to learn. And I also kind of cheated in the social aspect because my school that I went to in Memphis was super sweet. They realized I went to a private school. They knew why I had to quit normal school and they felt bad. So they were like, oh, yeah, still come to prom, still come to homecoming. Like I go to lunch sometimes with my friends in the little lunchroom. And yeah, so and I still have a good group of girlfriends from back home. Nice. So yeah, that was it was a really good balance. Um, But I would say for the people considering it, just know that it will require a lot of discipline. And I would actively try and find something to help balance it because it can get really lonely and secluded. And you don't want your whole life to be revolving around tennis, especially at that age. Because like I went through that phase and it's tough, you know, to kind of intertwine who you are with being an athlete. And it just it's it's easy to do when your entire life revolves around tennis, when you quit normal school and you're doing something different and you're the tennis kid. But yeah, to everyone listening, I would just say, make sure to find that good balance that a normal high schooler would have and to be prepared to be way more disciplined than the normal high schooler normally is. Yeah, that's great advice. Transitioning into college, you had committed to a school and then kind of changed your mind. So maybe talk about that too and the recruiting process and your trips and all that. Yeah. So actually, I was committed and signed and everything to go play for Georgia Tech. And the coach at the time, Brian Shelton, had a really good track record of developing players in college, like Irina Falcone. She played for him and she was having a really successful pro career. And there were other girls like Amanda McDowell, who won NCAAs. She was also having a successful pro career. And so my main goal always was to play pro tennis. But since my parents had played college tennis, I always wanted to play college first. I wanted to do what they did. Mm -hmm. And so it, it was never really in my mind to like go pro like normally it is for top juniors. So I always wanted to go to a college where I would develop and everyone said Brian was the best coach. And so I committed super early. Okay, I committed like beginning of my junior year. And so just got it out of the way. I took unofficial visits to Duke and UNC and Virginia as well. And I just, I loved Brian. Kendall Woodard was also going there. Um, I had, I knew several other girls on the team. Atlanta was far from home, but like not too far. It was like a five, six hour drive. So I thought it was good, you know? And so then I think it was about eight weeks or so before school was supposed to start. And he took the job coaching the men at the University of Florida. And I was like heartbroken because I had my mindset on this school for like almost two years at this point. Like I had already bought stuff for my dorm. I was like, I had already picked out my classes. I was like in full panic because I was like, well, I know I'm not going to be an engineer. And the main reason I went to this school was to work with him so that I could go pro and be really good. So I was like, crap. And so since he left, I wasn't bound to play for the school. That was written into my letter of intent. Nice. Okay. Um, since I was mainly going to play for him. And so that released me. And so I kind of started looking at other schools and there was one scholarship open at UCLA because one of my best friends in juniors, uh, Krista Hardebeck, had chosen very last minute to go play for Stanford. Okay. And so Stella was holding on to that spot for Krista. And so there was an open spot. Kyle McPhillips was another one of my really good friends in juniors. And she was the other incoming freshman. Okay. And I was already really good friends with two other girls on the team And I'd always wanted to live on the West Coast. Like I'm very, (laughs) I don't know, I'm more, I'm more West Coast than South type of person. And I went, I flew out for a visit the next day after Brian told me that he wasn't going to be at Georgia Tech anymore. And I flew out and I was just amazed at how beautiful it was. And I didn't realize how great academically of a school it was. Because, you know, back on the East Coast and the South, the good schools that you think about are like Duke and UVA and UNC mm-hmm. and all of those. But yeah, I was amazed. Everyone was super nice. And, you know, I was like, screw it. If I hate <laughs> it, then I'll transfer after a year and I'll get to live in Los Angeles. You know, like that's pretty yeah, cool. Exactly. Yeah. So it was a crazy story, but I would not change it for anything. Literally, like I have the best friends. I had the best experience. It was awesome. 
Okay, good. I was going to say, and then how was playing at UCLA? How was Stella? How were your teammates and all that? Yeah, it was great. I mean, I have teammates that now, like, I'm an only child, but like, I consider them my sisters. Like, we won a national championship my sophomore year. That was just the coolest experience to be part of. And, you know, it was it was really great, especially for me personally, because I originally didn't even start in the lineup in singles or doubles. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like I was not in doubles. I sort of started at five, but only because a girl got really sick at national indoors and they wanted to keep the six at the six position. So I got moved up to five and anyway, and then I got put into doubles randomly and it was, yeah, I started my freshman year at three three doubles and five singles. And it was always my goal to play number one in both. And so it was really, really cool for me personally to end my career playing number one in both. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. It's definitely a humbling thing to come in as a freshman. I think sometimes people think they're going to be at the top of the lineup. Oh, yeah. I was the (laughs) worst team player that freshman year. Yeah, I was Stella and I butted heads so much. I was an absolute terrorist my freshman year because I was like, just... Because it's you're so used to being individually motivated. Yeah, totally. And I didn't really see a problem with being very open about wanting to play number one in both positions and me, me, me. But, you know, like you said, it is humbling. You know, I mean, I never lost that drive, but I definitely learned how to be a better team player. And I, I understood as I got older and as I progressed that it is more about the team than you. And it's your job to put a point up on the board. And it's more of a collective thing than just about you. But yeah, it took a year or two to learn that. <laughs> there were, yeah. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're not alone. And I think it's tough too, especially you were coming from homeschooling and academy. And it's like, like you were saying, it's just so that's what you know. And then all of a sudden yeah. you have like seven other girls that you're supposed to be teammates with. And you're like, what? <laughs> And then you're also competing with them. So <laughs> always challenging. Yeah, it's an interesting little, yeah. Yeah. So then how did your transition out of UCLA to the pro level look? Did you jump straight into it? Did you know right away that you're going to start playing ITFs? What did you do? From a planning perspective, I knew exactly <laughs> what I was going to do. What actually happened was the complete polar opposite of that. Yeah, it was, I mean, like I said, I always wanted to play pro. Right. I made my entire college schedule, like I took 22 hours summer before my senior year because I wanted to graduate. When I walked across that stage, I wanted to be done in exactly four years. I was hell bent on starting and being top hundred in the first five minutes and you know, all that great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Never happened for anyone um, (laughs) because there is a learning curve. But anyway, so I, I started I played my first tournament about two months after graduation, but while I was playing my senior year, my foot was really hurting me and it was plantar fasciitis, but you know, it's not super acute pain. And I was just like, you know, I'm not going to sit my senior season when it gets warmed up and it's fine, you know, like that's dumb. And so I took a few weeks off after I graduated and it got a little bit better. And I played tournaments kind of here and there that I could drive to when I started in 2016, like in the fall. And then I did a full preseason and my foot was kind of getting worse and worse, but I was like, Oh, you know, it's, it's not that bad, but you just get used to a level of pain and push through it. And then, and I'd never had an injury before. All of my pain had just kind of gone away if I'd ignored them or if I'd iced it a couple of times or taken like a week off, I'd never had a serious injury. And so it was my first little road trip as a pro in 2017 in January January, February, and I went to Australia to play some 25Ks. Okay. And in my third one, I I qualified and I was in the quarters and playing pretty well. But like at the end of the first set, I just like my foot was just so bad. Like I couldn't split step on it. I couldn't push off as my left foot. Like I could not push off to go to my forehand. But still, the girl that I played a few months later, she was top 100, like And I played her pretty close and I just kept telling myself, I was like, oh, nothing's wrong. Like if something was really wrong, you would have like not been able to compete at that high of a level and yeah, whatever. So I went home, rehabbed for a month. And then finally my PT looked at me and he's like, you need to get an MRI. Like if this was going to get better with rehab, like it would have shown big improvements by now with how much you're coming in. 
And so I got an MRI and it was torn in not one, but three different places. Oh my God. Um, So that was not fun. So I got a PRP injection and I was put in a legit plaster cast, not like walking boot for, I think it was eight weeks. Oh, yikes. And yeah. And basically the, the doctor told me, he's like, the only thing that you can do is sit and let the procedure work and not put weight on it as much as possible. And so essentially for eight weeks, I went from, I mean, I went from practicing and being normal tennis to essentially being bedridden for eight weeks. Yeah. But then, you know, I was like, okay, you can wrap your head around this. It's fine. You can work on your mental game for eight weeks. You can come out, be like as strong as you possibly can, whatever. And then I got my cast off and nothing changed. Oh no. Yeah. It was just like, now I, my whole left leg was super weak and yeah, it was, it was a nightmare. And so I went in and then the doctor told me, he's like, oh yeah, like it could sometimes take with these injuries, two or three injections to really get it to work. And at this point I'm like full panic. Yeah. And yeah, so I got a second one and I was in a walking boot for another eight weeks. And when I got that off, it was a little bit better. Okay. And so the doctor was like, you've been in a cast, like everything's stiff, just start your rehab really slowly start to work out again. So I went back to Atlanta where I was training at the time, started with about, well, I did like a month worth, uh, a month's worth of rehab first before I even stepped on the court. Okay. Because I was, my whole left leg was so deteriorated and everything was deteriorated because I was basically bedridden for 16 weeks, you know? And so I just, I started back from square one, like 30 minute practices for like two weeks, then like 45 minute practices, like hand feeds, Yeah. basically just starting completely from zero. And then by the time I was kind of ready to go, it was off season. <laughs> Great. So, so, yeah, so then I started, I started playing my first full year was 2018. Okay. So like I said, I fully intended to start playing tennis <laughs> right after I graduated in 2016, but then that did not work out, but Yeah. How did you keep busy during those 16 weeks? The first eight weeks, the second eight weeks is like, yeah, what did you do? That was kind of the hard thing. I I vacillated, you know, between getting a job, which I eventually did when I was first starting back. I worked retail at Lululemon. Nice. Which was actually super fun. Everyone was like, wow, I'm so sorry you're having to work retail. I was like, no, like this is actually, it's giving me something to do. Like all these people are athletic and driven and nice. Like I love it. But anyway, it really was a tough time because it wasn't enough time to get a job. It was not enough time to really do anything except sit, you know, when your job is playing tennis right. and you can't play tennis, there's not much to do. I mean, I was with my parents. So, I mean, I did literally everything that they wanted me to do. Like I reorganized the kitchen. Like <laughs> I would run all their errands for them. Yeah. I, I did read a crap load of books. Nice. I actually, that was when you mentioned being plant-based earlier. That is when I made my transition. That's what I was going to ask if this was what drove it. Yeah, it was. I mean, I've always trended that direction. Okay. Um, My dad's been plant-based for like 10 years now. Oh, wow. Yeah, about 10 years, maybe a little bit less. Yeah. And heart disease runs in our family really Mm. badly, which is why he made the transition. Um, And so basically all the meals that my mom would cook at home would already be plant-based. And I was just never very picky, you know, Um, but I was never a big red meat eater ever. And so finally, when this happened, I was like, okay, like this gives you a good chance to learn about it and actually do it correctly. And because I mean, the only thing that I could really do to help heal, I was like, okay, well, you can at least fuel yourself with the best possible food. Like what is the most anti-inflammatory diet? What can you possibly do since your injury was caused by an excess of inflammation? And so I did research and everything I could find was to be on a plant-based diet. And um, so I started it then, but I also researched it like holistically and it really lined up with a lot of my beliefs. You know, it's, I mean, practicing compassion, it's really good for the environment it's sustainable. It's good for your body. Yeah. And so I really enjoyed learning all of those. And it just seemed like something that really fit with who I am as a person. Um, And so, yeah, that it was honestly, that part of my injury was that part really kept me kind of grounded and anchored because it gave me something to learn about. I took 
a few um, little online like certificate courses, nothing through like a college or anything. But I took a nutrition course that was offered online to actually get a good background in it and not do it stupidly. Right. You know, because you can be really stupid with it. Because yeah. like a lot of my friends will come to me and they're like, oh, Kat, like I want to lose weight or something like I'm going to go vegan. Like and then they eat like white rice and romaine lettuce for like a week straight. And they're like, I feel terrible. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I wonder why. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, there are bad ways to do it. But yeah, I use that time to really educate myself. So I could do this properly and intelligently incorporate it into my life. So that's awesome. And I know I've I've also been working on being more plant based myself. Yay, there we go. Yeah. Talk to me a little <laughs> bit about like what a daily food intake looks like. Like breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, all the things. Yeah. So if I have a really early practice, I always wake up with my cup of coffee. I use oat milk creamer. It's amazing. It is. Um, (laughs) It's so good. Yeah. It's so underrated. Um, But if I have early practice and I don't really want to feel heavy on court, I just make myself like a massive smoothie, but like I make it really calorically dense. So I'll throw in like oats in there, like half an avocado, make sure or peanut butter, just make sure that you put like really calorie dense things in there Mm -hmm. to make sure you have enough energy, like protein powder, lots of different fruits and vegetables, literally whatever you want. Yeah. As long as you put in like two fruits, you can put in like as many vegetables as you want. You really can't taste them. But if I have more time, I either go for like, I use coconut yogurt and with granola and berries, or if I want something more savory, sometimes I'll go all out and make myself vegan breakfast tacos. Nice. Um, that <laughs> actually, that usually happens like once or twice a week. But um, I normally do a tofu scramble, which sounds kind of weird to people who aren't vegan. But tofu just kind of tastes like what you season it with. If you eat it raw, it's kind of gross, honestly. <laughs> but if you season it well, like I make mine with turmeric and black pepper and garlic and cumin and onion powder and basically whatever else you want to throw in there, salt, sea salt. And it looks like scrambled eggs. It doesn't taste like it. But yeah, I'll do that with maybe some sliced up tomato. There's some wheat-based sausages that do not eat if you don't like gluten or if you're not a gluten <laughs> person. I can I eat all the gluten. That's yeah, I'm not intolerant or whatever. But um I had a lot of people actually texting me over preseason because mm-hmm. they wanted to try it. They watched that Game Changers documentary and they were all into it. And so I actually was helping out a few of my friends and I was tracking my macros and I was like, crap, I'm almost getting too much protein. Like with that tofu scramble in the morning with, yeah. with one of those plant-based sausages and some fruit, like that was like, I was at 50 grams of protein just first thing in the morning. And wow. I'm like, crap, you know, like maybe I need to like tone it down. Um, <laughs> yeah, so lunch, I usually do something simple for lunch because I'll have fitness after lunch. Okay. And I don't want to have like a bunch of fiber because that's, you know, that's like really hard to digest and you don't want that sitting in your stomach. So I normally do like, I don't know, just like a sandwich, like maybe just some bread, avocado, whatever other vegetables you want to throw in there. Okay. I get some, like I'll do tempeh as like the whatever meat substitute in there. Sometimes I don't. Or yeah, just sometimes some toast, some pasta, some rice. Honestly, not that different from what you would eat normally if just without adhering to a vegan diet. And right. then dinner, literally everything. Like people are <laughs> like, well, what do you eat? I'm yeah. like, I don't know, like burritos, like pasta, grain bowl, like, I don't know, like roasted vegetables. Yeah. I mean, I make these braised beans. Like I made one of my friends got me a cookbook for Christmas. That's all vegan. And I've now a new hit with my boyfriend is, I don't know if I'm saying this right. Flautas. Yeah. Yeah. Flautas. Yeah. Yeah. Those are incredible. Oh my gosh. Um, I love those. Those are my new go-to. Nice. But yeah, pretty much everything. And in between, if I get hungry, I like those like Bobo's oat bars Mm -hmm. because they're pretty calorically dense and they're not heavy. And so when you're eating it on court and you just need fuel, like those are pretty good. I just like bananas, you know, whatever fruit for snacks, but it's not always healthy. You know, I mean, Ben and Jerry's has an entire non-dairy line and that's incredible. And that's what I love about being vegan. You know, I mean, like if you eat, okay, well I should pause to differentiate this. There is a huge difference between being vegan and being plant-based. Right. And that's what I actually dislike about all the documentaries on Netflix and stuff is they don't necessarily differentiate between those two plant-based is eating like things that come directly from the earth, you know, like just as they are like 
vegetables, whole grains, nuts, seeds, fruits, all of those just as they come. Yeah. But vegan is just avoiding all animal products. Like and Oreo. So I would vegan. say <laughs> exactly. And so when I say I'm I mean I'm vegan, I'm probably 70-80% plant-based, but then you know, you have to have Ben and Jerry's every now and then. It's totally. a must in yeah. life. Balance. Um yeah, of course. <laughs> And so, and those little Abe's mini muffins that they have at Whole Foods, yeah. those are also vegan and they're incredible like, <laughs> on sale every other week. But yeah, so, um, so that's kind of that whole spiel, but yeah, I really enjoy it. Everyone asks me who's not vegan or plant-based. They're like, oh my gosh, like, don't you miss this? Don't you miss that? And I'm like, really, really honest to God, I don't like, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't, if I missed things, you know, like life is too short to do what you don't want to do and like, or like avoid things and diet and all that stuff. And it's like, I really thoroughly enjoy doing this. Yeah. And it's like, if I really like crave something bad, like fries are vegan, you yeah, know, like, exactly. it's, <laughs> like it's, I know like ice cream, there's so many, Target has an entire thing of vegan ice cream. Like you said, Oreos are vegan, like <laughs> chips and salsa. <laughs> exactly. Like potato chips are vegan, mm-hmm. you know, like it's not, it's just not very strict in my opinion, yeah. especially as someone who's not that big of a meat eater. And that's the thing. Like if you want to do it 90%, like that's still amazing for your health. That's exactly. still amazing for the environment you know? And that's actually what I tell people when they ask me about it. They're like, Oh, like, what are your tips on going vegan? I'm like, actually don't like go 80%. And then if you feel good, then try cutting one more thing out. And then you just get in the habit of doing it. And then if it's really something that works with your lifestyle, then you won't have to think about it, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's good advice. I'm going to ask you, I don't know if we've talked about this before. Are you a fan of rich rolls? Yeah, Rich yeah. is cool. He's a little intense sometimes. <laughs> I want like he's like I'll read some of the captions on his Instagrams and I'm like, buddy, you're in another dimension. Yeah. But some of the podcasts, like guests that he has are so fascinating. Like my favorite thing to do is to go for just a jog and listen to a podcast with someone super interesting. And he's had several guests that just like blow my mind. Like that Zach Bush episode. Oh I was my like, gosh. He's insane. I'm like, no, I'm never eating anything non-organic again. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. No, that guy's that guy's on another level. Um, but no, I like Rich actually. My dad was the one that showed me his stuff because my dad is a really competitive distance runner. Okay. Yeah. And so he read Finding Ultra mm-hmm. and gave it to me and I have a copy in my room over there. Nice. But, <laughs> but yeah, Rich is, Rich is cool, but he's like... He's on another level, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's he's cool though. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, I was just having that conversation yesterday about like he's intense and sometimes his guests are just like unrelatable in such a way that they're doing these crazy things. And you're like, okay, I'm just like this normal I know, like, human. <laughs> I know there was some guy that like doesn't have furniture. I'm like, what? And he yeah. would just sit like his whole family, like they don't even have a table. Like there's just I don't know. It was something about your alignment and how we're not supposed to sit in chairs. And I was like, Oh no. I'm so glad that works for you. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing that. So shout out to Rich Roll. And if anyone does have time to burn, his podcast episodes are usually like two hours minimum. So yeah. <laughs> it's a good deep dive. And he's definitely a plant-based athlete. And it's he's pretty inspiring for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just wrap up with some fun and not so fun questions. Uh, <laughs> this one's not fun, but it's still a good question. What was the worst day of your career so far? Oh, actually, I know it was at the end of 2018. And I had spent my whole first year playing pro and I was at my last tournament of the year. And I lost it was like the millionth time that I lost the last round qualies of a 25. And I had spent the whole year I had worked my butt off, I had done everything that I thought that I could. And I was like 700, like which not throwing shade because like 700 is like still an effort. But like, I'm a perfectionist. I'm playing pro tennis because I believe I can win grand slams. I'm not doing it for fun. So I was like, this is a complete failure. Like I thought I would be at least top 200 at the end of my first year. Like I was just absolutely devastated. And I lost last round qualifying and I was sitting in the locker room, just sobbing, like just full on like head in my hands, like 
did not like being loud, like did not care who was watching me. Cause I was like, I can't keep doing this. Like all my friends are getting graduate degrees. All my friends are getting amazing jobs. And here I am still being the stupid tennis girl. Like, is it time to just let go of this? Like, what are you doing with your life, man? Like, you know, and then my friend comes in and she just kind of sits with me and I'm like, and she doesn't really say anything. And she's like, you're going to kill me. And I'm like, why? And she's like, you got lucky loser. And I was like, (laughs) and I, and this is the last tournament on the schedule. And I was like, okay. And in that moment, I just want to, I was just like, I'm not playing. But then that night, like I kind of got my crap together and I was just like, okay, make a go of it. And it was the craziest tennis week of my life. I came back from 6-0-3-0 down twice. What? And 3-0 in the third set and 3-0 in the third set tiebreaker oh and won the match 7-6 in the third. Yeah. And the semis, I was down 6-1-4-1 or quarters. I was down 6-1-4-1. Semis was 6 0 And literally I was just like, I was like, I will not lose. And then finally I lost to another American in the finals. She really played too well. And I was just, I was too exhausted at that point to even function. Cause I had doubles too. And I think I had like nine matches in seven days. And it was just like, like five of them were three sets. I mean, it was really just crazy, but I kind of took that as like, okay, you know, like I was at rock bottom at the time. I was like, no, you know, things could get worse. And now I'm like, no, that was, that was very that rock was bottom. <laughs> yeah. And so I kind of took that as a sign because I made the finals. And so I technically ended the year ranked like 400 something. And I had some not great results at the beginning of 2019. And after the third loss, I was like, okay, that tournament happened for a reason. You know that you can do this. You've got to make some changes. And so I kind of lost contact with this coach that I'm working with here, mm-hmm. but I just called him up and I was like, Hey, like I've played my best tennis of my career with you. And this is a little awkward. Cause you know, we haven't talked in a while. We kind of yeah. lost touch and I don't even know if you coach anymore, but I know that I had a lot of fun when we worked together and I was playing great. And so would you want to work together again? And um, he's like, yeah, if you want to fly out tomorrow, like we can work together for a week before you leave for Japan. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And that's what happened. And so then after I got back from Asia, I went to Atlanta, told my coaches that I was not going to train there anymore and then moved to Austin and then went back to Asia. Last year was a lot. <laughs> like yeah. it was yeah, and I don't really travel with a coach. But anyway, so um but yeah, since making the move here, it was kind of like I don't know what the word is. It was kind of it was the decision like that I kind of made at the end of 2018 to really just 100% go after it even if it makes me uncomfortable and mm-hmm. to do whatever it takes to make it. And so it's really been good since then. My rankings increased like 200 spots. Um, yeah. I'm about 250 something right now. So yeah, it's been really good. But yeah, that was by far and away the, the worst the worst. Day. <laughs> well, also losing in the NCAA finals in 2015, that was pretty bad. There's oh no. a really, really funny picture of our entire team that they took about two minutes after we lost. It was looking back. It is absolutely hysterical. Our facial expressions. Everyone's sad. But at the time it was, it was not cute. Um, Yeah. yeah. It was like that Michaela Maroney, like gymnastics thing. Not pleased face. That was all of us. It was pretty funny, but anyway. (laughs) Well then on the flip side, best day of your career so far. Definitely winning my first pro title in singles. That was, that was a big deal for me. Yeah. Because that's always been my goal, like of professional tennis. I don't care what level I've won a bunch of tournaments and doubles, which is great. Yeah. But I've always wanted to win that professional title in singles to say that I won a title at the highest level. Totally. And I played a former teammate who always played above me in the lineup, who I don't think I've beaten before. She's kind of got my number, honestly. She just has, she's the best counter puncher. And I just can't like in the past, I just could not hit winners past her. Like she was the one person in the whole tournament that I didn't want to play because she's just so frustrating to play. And I got down three, zero, like double break in the first set. And I came back and won six, four, six, oh, and it was just like all my mental training, like all my hard work. And it was on, it was at TCU and I trained there for a little bit because I know the TCU coach from back when I was little and he's the nicest guy. And just like to win on those courts, like my first pro title, overcoming so many mental hurdles to, you know, like beat my former teammate, win my first title, you know, like it was just 
really like I felt like an idiot crying when I won a 25k <laughs> but it was just like also you know the entirety of the time I was out with my foot injury I just kept questioning myself I was like is it even worth it to keep going mm-hmm. you know like, is it even have you lost too much time is it even worth it to try and get back to where you were like I never knew if I was going to be good again so when I won that tournament it was kind of just like okay, it is worth it. Like all of this has been worth it. Yeah. Like you, you, you do deserve to be a pro tennis player kind of thing. And it just all hit me after. And I just like started crying and I felt literally like the biggest idiot. Cause I was like, come on, it's a 25. It's really not big of a deal. Like, okay, if you win a hundred, like you're allowed to cry or like a Debbie tournament, <laughs> cool. But like, you know, I was just like, woohoo. Like there were maybe 10 people there watching. I was like, but it was still fun. You know, that was, that was really cool. That makes sense. And I don't know how many of our listeners have watched you play before, but if you guys have not watched her, like I'm sure there's YouTube footage of you out there. You have to watch Kat play because she literally bashes the ball. You're not super tall or super big or anything. And like no. you just crank <laughs> the ball. And there's something about you that like the word resilience just keeps coming to mind because like even through your injury and like just the way you play, you're just like a resilient person that like you refuse to let anything get you down. And I love that. That's so cool. That kind of, no, like actually that kind of changed after that tournament that day that I told you about, like, I was just like, I am going to make it my business that I am going to be difficult to beat. Like, I don't care that I'm down match points. I don't like there are multiple matches last year that I won after being down match point like five or six. And I'm just because I'm like, you're going to have to hit a winner to win this match. Yeah. You know, like you're going to have to play an unbelievable point. Like I'm going to make it my business to be annoying. I you love know, that. And not and because it's like it that technically is my job. You know, your job is to win tennis matches and it's you're not doing a good job if you give up when you get down a set in five two. Yeah. You know, like. So that's kind of how I look at things. And that's kind of how I'm trying to frame this time, honestly. Nice. You know, like, I mean, it is sucky and I am sad that I'm not getting to compete because I was playing really well when I played my last tournament Mm -hmm. and I was really hoping to keep that momentum rolling. But at the same time, like I wouldn't be doing a good job at my job if I let myself stay sad for a while. So yeah, yeah, I'll get back up and coach and I will formulate a plan and I'll keep up with my little, whatever, Rocky fitness, running hills, without <laughs> a gym. And anyway, trying to avoid this virus. Yeah. So yeah, all good. <laughs> nice. Well, let's do a quick gear check too. So what, I know you're a Prince tennis racket yes. fan, long time. <laughs> you have a history with Prince. And then also let me know what strings you're using and shoes. Yeah. So I play with the Warrior 100. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone should play with it. It is the best racket. <laughs> She's obsessed. Um, yeah, Prince is very underrated. I played with Head in college, but literally only because I couldn't find Prince rackets anymore. Yeah. And then as soon as I turned pro, I switched back. And for strings, I use Selenko Tour Bite Soft. Okay. And ooh, 16 or 17 gauge. I switched. I'm not sure. I forgot. That's really bad. <laughs> um, and then I use... Crap, it was the gel solution. It's not, it's the new version that a solution uses. speed, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I use that one and it's awesome. Honestly, I've tried to switch away from it, not at, no, for no reason other than like maybe I'll get sponsored by someone else, you know, and I just can't. It's like I don't have any foot pain with that shoe and I haven't had any foot pain since I switched to it, um, which is why I've just kept with it. So if someone like, Asics, if you're out there yeah. <laughs> listening. <laughs> and she yeah. has, uh, there. we have a video on our YouTube page where she goes through all her gear, including those shoes. And yeah, you have a lot of good stuff to say about all that stuff. So nice. And quick little fun questions. Favorite emoji? Ooh, the one, the girl like this, the, the, <laughs> the sassy girl. The sassy girl. I love it. Yes. Uh, coffee order. Oat milk latte. Nice. Which coffee bean and tea leaf, shout out, have oat milk. I think a bunch of people are finally adding it, but I agree. I love that. Do they Um, know? I usually just make mine. I make mine at home, but my favorite place, let's see. In LA, there's a place called Alfred, and I love Alfred. Okay. Um, And they they got me started on oat milk lattes way before I was vegan. And I realized oat milk was just unbelievable in coffee because it's just, it's so creamy. It's so nice. Yeah. Favorite food? Oh, wow. Um, so many, you know, if it's really good, authentic food, then like any of them, you know, like a great Mm. Indian curry or like a really authentic pad thai or 
I mean, I'm in Austin, like they're, they have the most unbelievable tacos here. You know, if it's really good, authentic food, then I like all of it. The only thing I dislike is celery. I hate celery. Okay. Okay. Can't do it. (laughs) What is your signature shot on the court? Ooh, um, see, I'm not even saying this in case my competitors Uh, are listening. It's like, it's literally... No, seriously, I'm not even saying it. It alternates between like a forehand inside out or like a backhand down the line. Like it really depends. If I've been playing a lot of doubles, it's the forehand inside out because I usually play ad side. Mm-hmm. But then if I've been playing a lot of singles and I'm, you know, I don't know, it then it's backhand line. I don't know. It it really alternates. It yeah. used to 100% be my backhand cross court. That was all I had okay. um, in college. My forehand was a large thumbs down. Um, but it's really evened out now, which it should since my, I basically have the same shot on both sides. Right. <laughs> yeah. What does your best day off look like? Best day off sleeping in a little bit, but not that much, maybe like eight or eight thirty. definitely involves coffee. Mm. Honestly, hot yoga. I like, I love hot yoga, not because of weight loss or anything, but because my muscles move so much better probably take out tacos from this place called the vegan nom it's just this food truck with all vegan tacos there's like 12 of them they're incredible and honestly just chilling out reading a good book right now on my coffee table there's there's a thousand piece puzzle that i'm doing my guilty pleasure is like puzzling and listening to an audiobook okay so it's yeah. Nice. That's just chilling. Hardcore. That's, that's like good advice for anyone out there dealing with like a quarantine issue. Like get those puzzles going. I know my sister has one also right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I got myself an audible membership for Christmas because my oh, New Year's cool. resolution was to do um, 20 books in 2020. Yeah. And now I'm going to like up that to 30 because I have no excuse not to be done with 20. I'm already on seven. Yeah. By the t- end of this quarantine, there's no way that I should be <laughs> Not done with 20. Love it. Who do you look up to? You know, I'd probably say my dad. Just he really, for the longest time, actually both my parents, because he's extremely disciplined in Mm -hmm. everything that he does. He's very calm. He's very centered. And I look up to that in him. And then my mom is crazy driven. If something needs to be done, she will get it done. Nice. Like, I love that. It's pretty incredible. (laughs) I've never seen someone do it like that. It's honestly in my friend group, like it's known. They're like, like, oh, should I get, should I get your mom to do it? Like if they really (laughs) need something done. Um, No, she's crazy driven. And so I really, I strive to be, I strive to take those qualities from my parents and kind of combine them because both of them are super applicable for tennis. For sure. And then kind of following with that, what's just your best life advice? Best life advice. Yeah. Like do, you have, a, for this do you have like a motto or a catchphrase or anything like someone comes to you and they're having a rough day. What kind of advice are you going to give them? For me and all my friends would not be surprised that I'm going to say this. Like be <laughs> stubborn about what you want, you know? Yeah. It's a, like this tennis that like this quarantine, whatever. Yeah. I want to win grand slams and it's, Like, yeah, take as much time. Like, I'm going to take as much time as I need to, like, be sad and be upset that I'm not playing, that I wasn't able to capitalize on the momentum that I had going. But at the same time, like, be stubborn about what you want. Like, sit in that, but then get it over with, but then move forward, you know, and make a plan to my knowledge. I mean, that's what I'm going to do. Like, I'm going to make a plan to the best of my knowledge and my coach's knowledge to get me to where I want to be and to continue that momentum and to continue that aggressive, good play that I was executing. And yeah, so that I can pick up right where I left off or be even better. Yeah. So yeah, and you can, I mean, that's something about everything. Cause it's like, if you're in business or anything, you know, and you're starting a business or doing whatever else, like there's going to be speed bumps, but if you're stubborn, then it's like, you're going to get there for sure, you know, cause it's at some point persistence has to pay off, you know? Yeah, for sure. I love that. Definitely. That's a good thing to end on, but I do want you to share how people can follow you. So what's your Instagram? I don't know if you tweet or do any of the other social yeah, so, TikTok. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I'm seriously contemplating downloading a TikTok. I feel like I, you should. <laughs> I know. I feel like that is going to be needed in about week three of this. Yeah. Um, but right now I'm just, I'm very fine with books and whatever, but yeah. 
Anyway, uh, my Instagram is at Kat Harrison, but the O in Harrison is a zero. Okay. And I think my Twitter is the same thing. My Twitter isn't that exciting. I never get political or anything on any social media except Twitter. So um, <laughs> I apologize if I offend any listener with whatever's posted on Twitter. My Instagram's very tame. Yeah. It's just a lot of tennis, tennis pictures. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, friends. And I think I have a picture of my parents' new puppy on there. And so Aww. everything. Yeah. So Instagram is good if you want like more wholesome content. But if you're <laughs> feeling fiery, then go go follow me on Twitter. <laughs> and we will link to all of that in the show notes. And yeah, anything else you want to say or share with our audience? Like I said, I mean, quarantining isn't super hard for me. I know. So, <laughs> I see like an average of three people a day. So. It's kind of nice. Unfortunately, in California, we're like meant to get all this rain. And it's just like, wait, what? Why? <laughs> I'm so no. confused. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the forecast right now, it was so cold the other day. And then the forecast is rain today, rain Sunday, rain Monday, rain Tuesday, rain Wednesday. <laughs> like, Oh, my God. Because I when I was in school, it rained Two Never. times when yeah. I was walking to class in Never. four years. I was rained on twice when I, and I didn't skip class. I was a nerd. <laughs> yeah. So like, everyone in California is like, wait, we can't go outside or we can go outside, but like, what are we supposed to do if it's raining? <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Well, read books. I'm reading. I, I just finished Where the Crawdads Sing. That's amazing. That's, That's apparently going to be list. a movie. Okay. okay I'm going to write it, that down. Like, it was really incredible. I, I really enjoyed how everything tied in at the end and you were just like, wow, mind blown. Okay. And then, um, yeah, I'm reading American Dirt right now. That one that was apparently controversial from Oprah's book club. And I, it's, yeah, I don't know. Um, but it's really, really awesome also. Um, so yeah, there's been, there's been a lot. I gotta um, charge. If you want to freak yourself, if, yeah, if you want to freak yourself out um, and learn more about this pandemic and everything, read the Uninhabitable Earth. That was eye opening. I can't go there. Yeah, because <laughs> any of your readers want to like learn a lot, that it was intense. But yeah, those are my book recommendations for anyone that's looking to crush some time right now. Yeah, perfect. That was a pretty holistic podcast. I was not expecting that. I just kind of <laughs> sat down and but like a few minutes before, and I was like shoot, should I have prepared anything? No. Like, what? Um, <laughs> you know? I know, I didn't really give you much of an outline. Usually I will pop an outline to people, but I was like, it's just gonna be a conversation and you have a lot of things to talk about. So it was great. <laughs> Thanks for joining All me. Right. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. So. Of course, I appreciate this too. And I think this would be a, actually a really cool episode to put out right now during this time because you talk about like how you dealt with 16 weeks of not playing tennis. And like people yeah. right now are like, what the heck am I supposed to do? So <laughs> I yeah. think we're good. Thanks for joining us. We I love chatting with you and keep training hard and we'll see you in June. <laughs> playing on June. I know, uh, June-ish, maybe. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Michelle. No problem. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening this week. We really appreciate it. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at podcast at tennis-warehouse.com and stay safe, stay healthy, stay positive, keep smiling. And until next time, happy hitting.